Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. John chapter, chapter 1 talking about Jesus is the embodiment of grace, of his fullness. We have all received grace for grace. Thank God you received grace to accomplish the grace that's on your life. And Jesus is the embodiment of the grace of God. We went then to Galatians chapter 1, and we talked about what grace produces. Grace produces peace and freedom. First of all, we talked about freedom from sin. Praise God, Jesus gave himself to deliver us from this present evil world. But not only freedom from sin, we talked about how we are free to do the will of God. And it's only through the grace of God that is honest that we can do the will of God, that we can live out God's plan and purpose in our life. Then we talked about freedom from the fear of man. Paul said, you know what? If I yet please men, I would not be the servant of Christ. And Jesus came to set us free from the fear of men. We talked about how legalism, you know, the fear of man feeds off of legalism. And he really addresses that in Galatians chapter 1 and chapter 2. Then we not only talked about being free from the fear of man, we talked about being free from uh, the mentality that we have to perform well enough to receive from God or that we haven't performed well enough. So freedom from the fear of performance the lack or the lack thereof, praise God. Then we moved in and talked about how grace provides freedom from fear of the past, fear of the present, and fear of the future. Today we're going to talk about how grace releases the abundance of God. And I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, Paul says this in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we, do you, we want you to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. There is a grace of God that is on you. Not only is there a grace of God that is on you, when you operate in the grace of God that is on you, it will release grace to you and grace through you. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He said, or chapter 9, verse 8, excuse me, 9, verse 8. He says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. So there's grace to you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Amen? So we're talking today about how grace releases the abundance of God to you. Hallelujah. And, and you want to know how, what God has for you, right? So you can move into it, and then the grace of God can work through you. Now, he begins by talking to the Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, Paul talks about grace as much as anywhere in the Scripture. The only place that compares with uh, grace in, in, the, in the Word is in Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 6 where it talks about the grace of God for salvation and, and, and righteousness, and then he talks about the grace of God in overcoming sin. That's the only place that compares where Paul mentions grace as much as he does in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where he's talking about the grace of giving. And so he says, uh, these churches of Macedonia, he says, brethren, we want you to know about the grace of God that was on these churches of Macedonia in verse 1. How that in a great trial of affliction, 
in verse 2, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. So even though these churches in Macedonia were facing major difficulties and major problems, they continued to be generous. And he says, for to their power I bear record, and yes, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take on us the fellowship of ministering to the saints. So Paul said, man, they prayed that we would receive the gift. Sometimes when you see somebody going through major difficulties and problems, it's hard for you as a leader to want to receive from them. But Paul said, you know, you've got, you need to receive from them because they're sowing it as a seed and it will help them. So he says, in this they did, not as we hoped, but they first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So that first they gave their selves, right, to the Lord. Then they gave their selves to the leadership in the body of Christ. And then they gave of their finances. If you give yourself to the Lord, if you give your life to the Lord, it's not going to be difficult for you to give, right, uh, to your, if you give yourself to give of your finances to the Lord. Then he moves into kind of another vein in verse 6. He's using these Macedonian churches as an example for the Corinthian believers. He says, inasmuch as that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, he would finish in you this same grace also. So these churches of Macedonia, they were great examples in the area of giving. And Paul says, listen, we want you in the Corinthian churches to be involved in this grace of giving also. So the grace on them, he said, we want to see that grace working in your life. Therefore, as you have abounded in everything, in faith, utterance, knowledge, and all diligence, and your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. So he says, this is part of basic Christianity. Right? For every believer. You, you abound in faith. You abound in speaking the word. Right? In knowledge, in all diligence, in love towards us. Abound also in the grace of giving. He says this, I speak not commandment, this by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. In other words, he said, when you, when you start giving, we're going to know that you're sincere about the things of God. And he says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that even though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. So essentially what he's saying is these Macedonian churches are a great example for you, but above and beyond that example is the example of Jesus and the, even though he was rich. Now, the word here for rich in the Greek is the Greek word plusios, and it means wealthy, abounding in material resources, abounding, abundantly supplied, rich. What he's talking, I believe what he's saying is Jesus in heaven as the creator of the universe was wealthy. He was abundantly supplied. He had everything. But he goes on to say this. He says, even though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He identified with you. He came to, did you know any condition on earth would be compared, be poor considered with where Jesus came from? But now when he uses this term poor, 
It means absolute poverty as, as a beggar. So Jesus, when he died on the cross, right, the man of sorrows, laid down everything. He gave everything. He, he came to a point of absolute poverty when he died on the cross. I believe that's what he's talking about. There what we call Calvary the great exchange. Jesus who was righteous became sin so that we who are sinners can become righteous. Jesus, right, who had everything that heaven had available, you know, took stripes, right, and, and took on him all the disease of the universe, essentially so that we could be healed. By his stripes, we were healed. Jesus, right, became poor. He talks about this. He took our sin. He took our sickness. He took our anxiety. And here we see he took our poverty. And he did this, he says, so that we could be made rich. Now, this word for rich, this last word, is the Greek word pluteo. And it means this, made rich or to, or to wax rich, to be richly supplied and increased with goods. So what Paul's saying is Jesus is our greatest example in giving, and he gave everything so that you who are poor might be made rich, so that you might wax rich, so that you might grow rich, so that you might be richly supplied and increased with goods. Now, personally, I believe that that is part of the gospel. In other words, I don't believe if, if prosperity wasn't part of the gospel, then we really wouldn't have a covenant right to believe it. Now, if you read the scriptures, it's not hard to understand that. But the challenge is with a lot of the church, they don't read the scriptures and they believe a lot of religious lies. But there are, there are over 2,000 scriptures on wealth, on riches and money in, in the Bible. And there are many Bible promises for us to be provided for, for us to receive from God. One of them is in 3 John 2. It says this, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That word prosper in the Greek is the word eudo, and it means to help along the way. And it's like a father to his children. Guess what? If you're a father and you have children and you don't want them to prosper, something is wrong with you. Right? It's also written as a pastor to his church. I, as your pastor, want those of you who come here to Caris Christian Center to prosper. I want you to prosper. You know. I remember when I went to Seoul, Korea years ago on a trip where we went to Nepal and on the way back we stopped by Seoul, Korea. And we went to Dr. Yanji Cho's church, the, the largest church, known to be the largest church in the world for years. And Dr. Cho's church covered about a block, the physical building. And it had seven entrances. And above every entrance when you, you went out, it said this, 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And I believe Dr. Cho was trying to get a picture of prosperity in the hearts of his people. He wanted to get a picture of the Word of God. And it's really interesting that a man who started his church in a tent, right, became a pastor of the world's largest church. Now, 11 out of 15 of the largest churches in the world, you have to realize, are in Seoul, Korea. And Korean people are a little bit different than American people in their mentality. 
But 11 out of 15 of the largest churches in the world were in the, the Seoul, Korea area. So he pastored what was known to be the largest church in the world. But he started in a tent. And while he was in this tent, he began to say, I have an American bicycle. I have a desk, a nice wooden desk. I have a chair with wheels that roll. And his board got mad at him. And they said, you don't have a desk, a wooden desk. And you don't have a nice American bicycle. And you don't have a, a chair with wheels that rolls. And they took him back into his office. They said, where are these things that you say? That it was just another room in the tent. And he says, I have them on the inside. Because you got to get it on the inside before you see it on the outside. Hallelujah. And you know what? He got some things on the inside and he understood the value of believing the word of God and believing the promises of God and getting some things on the inside so you could see them on the outside. And when I went there, he had this large facility. He had several more facilities that they would fill up with people. They filled them up seven times on Sunday. Hallelujah. Glory to God, because he had a picture from, do you know the word of God will change the picture on the inside of you? And God doesn't want you to stay poor. If you've been poor, he doesn't want you to stay poor. In fact, the Bible says this in Psalm 35, verse 27. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Some people said, well, some religious person, that's not talking about physical and financial prosperity. It is so because the same word is used, right? When David said, I was envious when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And you know, the, the wicked has no, has no spiritual prosperity. So it must be including in that Greek word, or Hebrew word, excuse me, shalom, it must be including physical and financial prosperity along with spiritual. It's talking about well-being, spirit, soul, and body. And so it says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Do you favor the cause of God? Then you need to be shouting for joy and being glad because the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity and the physical, financial prosperity of his people. That is what the Bible says. And I can give you lots of other promises that go with this. I just named one in the New Testament and one in the Old Testament. Praise God. But there are lots and lots of promises that you can believe. And so it says, ultimately, if Jesus didn't pay for something, then you really don't have a covenant right to it. But what it's telling us right here in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 is that Jesus, became, who was rich, became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich so that you might wax rich, so that you might grow rich, so that you might be richly supplied and increased with goods. That I believe that is God's will for everyone as a believer. I'm going to give you an example of it in the Old Testament in the life of Isaac. If you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 to verse 14, it says, Then Isaac, it was a time of famine in the land. And Isaac was thinking about moving away and leaving. And when he was thinking about that, God spoke to him and told him to stay in the land, to dwell in the land. 
And so it says, Isaac sowed in that land in Genesis 26, verse 12, and received in the same year a hundredfold. He had a tremendous blessing. And the Lord blessed him, and the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. I believe that is God's will for us as believers, that he wants us to wax great, to grow great, to grow until we became very great. For it says, Isaac had possession. I believe God wants his people, the church, to have possession of flocks and possession of herds and a great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. You know, sometimes people get mad at preachers like they get mad at Jesse Duplantis because Jesse Duplantis lives in a nice house. He lives in a very, very nice house, and they get mad. And I really don't believe that they're mad at Jesse. I believe they're mad not because of Jesse's house. I believe they're mad because of their house. And they're really jealous. And it's amazing sometimes how people that get mad at you, it's because they're jealous. They envy you. Hallelujah. And you know what? They get mad because a preacher's flying a jet. You know what? My son Andrew works for a man. And he owns a house in Denver. And he owns a house, a condo in Wyoming. He declares taxes in Wyoming because it's a cheap state. Hallelujah, cheap tax state. And he owns a vineyard in California. And he owns, he owns a house in Houston. And he has a jet. And I think he's twice as rich as the richest preacher in the world. And nobody cares. And my son Peter works for a man that is way richer than him. And nobody cares. But God forbid that a preacher would have money. God forbid that somebody in the church would have anything. You know what? That is backwards thinking. That is religious thinking. That is the devil trying to lie to the church and trying to keep people poor. And God doesn't want you to be poor. God wants you to be rich. And Jesus came from heaven to earth and died on a cross and laid down his wealth on the cross so that you, the people in the church, might be blessed. That's what that scripture says. And it's a problem if you don't believe it. And I am, listen, I'm telling you the integrity of the word of God. You read what it says and you go to it and it, that's exactly what it says. And I'm sorry that people don't believe the word because of their religion. But you ought to get rid of your religion and start believing what the Bible says. And there's multitudes of promises for physical financial prosperity. Hallelujah. You see, I believe this covenant went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, hallelujah, to Joseph, to Jesus, and to us. I believe we're in the same covenant. In fact, the Bible says after Abraham believed God, right, in Genesis chapter 12, it says in Genesis chapter 13, verse 2, that Abram was very rich in silver and in gold and in cattle. And it says in Genesis chapter 24, verse 35, this was Abraham's servant. Abraham's servant said about Abraham that he has many camels, many asses, much silver, much gold, many men servants, and many maidservants because the Lord blessed him. They blamed the blessing on God. And yet if you have some people, well, I don't believe a preacher should have anything like that. 
oh, you oh sorry thing. You, got, you need to get rid of your sorry, stinking thinking. You need to get back to reading the Bible and believing what it says. Hallelujah. You know, Solomon was a king in Israel, and he, he was one of the richest men that ever lived. And he made silver so plentiful in Israel that they could not even count it. That's wealthy. I don't know anybody that has so much they can't count it. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so I believe God wants to bless us. And I believe Jesus died for it just like he died and took our sins so that you can be righteous. And he died and took stripes on his back so that we can be healed. And died and took our anxiety so that you can have peace. I believe Jesus died and became poor on the cross so we can have physical and financial provision and prosperity. Hallelujah. What do you want to do? Live on welfare? Listen, you just got too much religion. Hallelujah. I believe the scripture. I believe in the literal interpretation of the scriptures. And Paul says this. Look at what he says in verse 10. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 10. He says, and herein I give my advice. For this is expedient for you. It's very necessary. Who have begun before. You started out in this thing called giving and receiving. But I want you to continue it. A year ago, you started thinking about it, but I want you to get involved in this grace of giving. He says in verse 11, now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, there may be a performance also out of that which you have. You know, God is not worried about what you don't have. <laughs> he doesn't care about what you don't have. He just wants you to begin with what you have. For if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that which a man has and not according to what he has not. If you, if, you, if you determine in your heart, in your mind to be a giver, I believe that God will give you seed to sow. He says, I don't mean that other men be eased and you be burdened, but by an equality. That now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want. Their abundance may be a supply for your want. That there may be equality. As it, in other words, everybody ought to give something. Hallelujah. As it is written, he who gathered much has nothing over. He who gathered little had no lack. Now he goes on in verse 16, says, Thanks be to God who put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. So Paul appointed Titus and another brother to oversee the giving, right, and the administration of the finances at this church in Corinth. For he indeed accepted the exhortation, being more forward of his own accord, he went to you. And we have sent him with the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, not that only, but that was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, the grace to administer the financial well-being, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. He said, listen, when you administrate finances well in the church, it leads to the glory of God. Avoiding this, look at this in verse 20, that no man should blame us in the... In this abundance which is administered by us. In other words, Paul says, listen, don't blame me for the abundance. Don't get mad at me because there's an abundance. Do you know, I've had people get mad at me because of the abundance of finances at Karis Christian Center. Why do you have all this money? I literally had people. 
Now, I had a man that used to be on my board. He said, I've never been in a church like this. Every church I was at before this, the pastor come to me say, could you please help us? We can't make payroll this week. Do you know what? That is not the will of God. That is not how things should work. Amen. But yet in a lot of, a lot of the church just operates like the world. And people get mad. I've had people get mad over this. And I believe when we administrate the grace of finances in the right way and we're diligent about it, it leads to abundance. Hallelujah. He says, providing, look at this in verse 21, for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, who we oftentimes prove diligent in many things, but now much more diligent on the great confidence which I have in you. I sent my brother to administrate this, to carry it out. Sent Titus and another brother. Where, whether do any inquire of Titus, he's my partner, fellow helper concerning you, or our brothers, to be inquired of that they are messengers of the churches and of the glory of Christ? Why do you show to them and before the church is the proof of your love and our boasting on your back? In other words, Paul says, listen, I've been boasting about you, right? But you need to step up to the plate and get involved in this grace of giving. And he goes on to tell them in, in the next chapter that if you don't get involved in this grace of giving, right, that it's going to limit the grace of God in your own life. It's going to limit what you can receive. And he begins to say here in chapter 9, he says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. It's necessary for me to write to you. In other words, there's grace on this Macedonian group of churches, and they were giving even not only they were willing to give of their power, but beyond it. And he says, we're praying that you would, you know, step up into this grace and, and when people administrate the grace of finance as well, it leads to an abundance. And he says, finally, not only do we want that grace to be on you, but we want that grace to work through you. He says in verse 2, For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia. In other words, I know that you want to do this. That Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has provoked many. You're zealous of the things of God. Yet I've sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain. In this behalf, as I said, you might be ready, lest happily if those of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared. In other words, if you haven't been given regularly, there might be challenges when we come. We that we say not should be ashamed in this confident boasting. In other words, I bragged on you and I hope when I come, my bragging has been true. Therefore, he said, I thought it to be necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. In other words, you, you would have enough, right, that there would be more than enough to take care of needs when they come along, so on and so forth. But he says, this I say, he who sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. If you don't sow much seed, you're not going to reap much harvest, right? He who sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. If you're going to have a bountiful harvest, you've got to be sow more seed. He says, every man, as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a hilarious giver. 
God loves people who get excited about the grace of giving. Hallelujah. They just can't wait to give. And listen, I believe if you determine in your heart to be a giver, I believe that God will give you seed to sow. You see, my daddy taught me when I was really a little boy about tithing, that we need to be tithers. I still remember when I received a paycheck as a, as a child, 13 years old, the first year that I got a paycheck for driving tractor all summer. I still remember taking that check and, and bringing a check to Sunday school for $135, I think it was. <laughs> that was a big offering in my Sunday school that day. Hallelujah. Amen. I still remember when I was 17 years old and I went down to look at Oral Roberts University because I was considering going to Oral Roberts University. My grandparents wanted me to go there. One problem, Jesus didn't tell me to go there. But when I was on the way, I met with a man who was a prophet of God. He was a Raymond graduate. I still remember taking a $1,000 check. You have to realize, in those days, $1,000 was much more than a month's income for Pastor Lawson. And I, I, I still remember the first seed that I gave of $1,000. And I, I, I remember different seeds that I've sown. I remember when we planted the church in Kit Carson and we were building a new building. I, and I was just receiving $800 a month and living in low-income housing when we started that church. I, I remember giving a $5,000 seat. That was over six months of my income into that church for the building of that physical building. Hallelujah. Listen, if you get involved in the grace of giving, God will see that you have seed to sow. It's happened for me. It's happened for this church. You see, I have a lot of pastors that say, oh, we would love to be like Pastor Lawson. We would love to have a facility that's death-free. We would love to have these different things and ministers that I know. But I watch them in different meetings that I go to. And when the offering goes by, they put up their nose and look the other way. Hallelujah. And you know what? I try to obey God in the realm of giving, and I try to be obedient all the time. Not only personally do I try to be obedient in the realm of giving, I try to be obedient in this church in the realm of giving. I try to be obedient with finances. I do my very best to obey God in the realm of finances. In fact, Paul talks in another place about those who've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, those who've addicted themselves to giving. And I believe if you get addicted to giving, I believe that God will support your habit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so I've addicted myself to the ministry of the saints. And guess what? Jesus is supporting my habit. Amen. When we came to this church, Barbara and I personally, we were receiving no income whatsoever for the first several months. And we gave $50 a week. And we moved up from $50 a week to put in $100 a week. Praise God. And I remember when we were meeting in Andrew Womack Ministries on Elkton Drive and God gave us the opportunity to buy the building next door that God spoke to me and God told me to, to increase my giving from 50 from $100 a week to 200 and I put 200 and God when I dropped that money in the bucket that day God spoke to me and he said Lawson your giving now is the same amount that you receive per month 
when you started pastoring, you're giving the same that you started when you started. And he said, soon, he said, your giving is going to be what you're making now. And then I was making about 50000 a year with the church, with my investments, with cattle, with the different things that I had. And it wasn't very long after that that my personal giving became over $50,000 a year. And I believe if I keep going and obeying God, I believe that my personal giving will increase by five times that if Jesus tarried. In fact, I was talking to Andrew Womack and we were talking about the revelation of grace and he got into this thing on the grace of giving. And him and Jamie are personally giving 140% of their income away. You say, how can you give 140% of your income? If you stay diligent for a long time in the finances, the increase off of your investments and different things that you have will go beyond what you make. That's how you do it. Hallelujah. Amen? And so I believe that we can be generous. Hallelujah. In fact, I believe that if Jesus tarries, this church will have a fund of $100 million and that we will be giving at least $10 million away every year to missions and other ministries outside of this church. Hallelujah. I believe that we're going to increase in the realm of giving. In fact, one person told me if I could believe to go where God wants us to go in the realm of giving, he would, God would see that the, we would have the increase of people, we'd have the increase of finances to be able to go there if we could believe in the realm of giving. So I believe, amen, to give. Hallelujah. Amen. And I believe it's all right to believe to give. So he says, God is able to make all grace. Look at this in verse 8, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, abound toward you. So grace in you, grace on you, and grace to you, that you might always, having all sufficiency in all things, abound every good work. Grace working through you. I believe this is the grace of giving. God wants this grace to work through you. In fact, there's some harvest that you may not receive if you don't sow specific seeds. And there's some aspects of grace that may not be available to you unless you get unless you become obedient in the grace of giving. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, God is able to make all grace. When, when, you, when you get involved in this grace of giving, God is able to make all grace abound. Everybody say abound. abound. He wants to make grace abound toward you that you always, everybody say always, always, having all sufficiency in all things. Always having all sufficiency in all things. God wants us to always have all sufficiency in all things so that we can abound to every good work. As it is written, he is dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. Now he says this in verse 10. Now he who ministers seed to the sower will both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. He'll multiply. I like that word multiplication. He'll multiply your seed sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. Hallelujah. He'll give you seed to sow, bread to eat, right? 
and he'll give you increase in the fruit of righteousness. Being enriched in everything. Hallelujah. He wants you to be rich in everything. To all bountifulness. I love these words. Which causes through us thanksgiving to God. You see, the fruit of this grace is that causes great thanksgiving, right, to God. He says, for the administration of this service not only supplies the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving to God. In other words, when we're giving, when we're sowing, when we're sharing, he, he said it takes care of needs, but it also causes many thanksgiving to God. While by the experiment of this ministry, they glorify God for your professed subjection to the gospel. In other words, Paul said, we can tell that you're submitted to God when you get involved in the grace of giving. What you do with your money says a lot about you. Hallelujah. Pastor Mark Hankins used to, I mean, he's, he travels now, right? He doesn't pastor. His son pastors his church. Since his son took it over, it's doubled. His son Aaron... It continues to grow. It continues to prosper. But Pastor Mark used to have different people on his staff, and they'd come and tell him their problems. He'd say, okay, go get your checkbook. And when they get their checkbook, he said, now I want to look at what you've, where you've been spending your money. Hallelujah. I tell you, I'm happy to have you look at my checkbook. Because my checkbook says C, 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 I have one over here to CSU, that's the utility. One over here to FIA, that's my credit card. Then it says C, 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 Because I'm giving. I'm sowing. Hallelujah. And I keep sowing. I'm not telling you to do something that I don't do. I'm not asking you to practice something. Amen, that I don't practice. In fact, I'm going to ask you something. How many times since you've been in the church have you ever heard me stand on this pulpit and, and beg? In fact, I very seldom even tell you when there's a need. But I'll tell you who I do tell. I tell Jesus. And I'm always believing him. In fact, I constantly put myself in a place where I have to believe God. And he constantly comes through. I put myself in a place last week that I had to believe God. He came through. And I put myself in a place this week where I had to believe God. And he came through. And I continually put myself, once in a while I'll tell you we have a little need because once in a while my heart gets ahead of where we're at, right? And I've, I've made some commitments in the realm of giving sometimes and different things will come up. So once in a while I'll tell you, but most of the time I don't even tell you. Most of the time I just tell Jesus and I believe him and I trust him and he comes through. He helps us over and over. But he says, by the experiment of this ministry, this ministry in the area of finances, this administration, they glorify God for your professed subjection to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution to them and unto all men. Can I share with you one more scripture? 
He says, your liberal distribution. Turn with me to this scripture in Isaiah 32, verse 8. Isaiah 32, verse 8 says, to the liberal, it says this, the liberal devises liberal things, and by liberal things shall he stand. Another word for liberal in that area is generous. The generous person devises generous things. And by generous things, they will stand. You could say it this way. The giving person devises giving things. And by giving things, shall he stand. Now, the Hebrew word here for liberal is the Hebrew word nadib. Nadib. And it means it's generous, willing-hearted, liberal, free, magnanimous. See, I believe that your giving goes ahead of you and makes way for your going. I believe that your sowing makes way for your harvest. One reason why Pastor Lawson wants to pastor a great big church is because I know the power of a great big church in the realm of sowing and reaping. But I not only practice this here, we practiced this when we pastored in Kit Carson. And we pioneered a church with a group of believers in Kit Carson, Colorado. We pastored there 13 years. And while I was there for those 13 years, we gave away about $50,000 a year, about half of the church income. Hallelujah. Because if it won't work there, it won't work here. But it worked there and it works here. And when we came and pastored this church, we've sowed. In fact, God spoke a word to me when I was in Mark Hankins' meetings in 1998. And he told me, if you could pastor a church of 100 people and give away $50,000 a year, you can pastor a church of 1,000 people and give away $500,000 a year. And you know what? That happened in 2016. And since 2016, Karis Christian Center has been giving away just about $500,000 plus or minus a year, plus some other things in addition. Amen? So we continue to give. But I believe we got a long ways to go. Hallelujah. And I actually believe Aaron's word. Hallelujah, that God gave him. And I believe by the grace of God that we can do that, that we can move into that. But he says the liberal, the generous, the giving person devises giving things, and by giving things shall he stand. I want to share with you something Dr. Lester Sumrall said. He said everybody who wants to change the world ought to be involved in a church. Hallelujah. Because Dr. Lester Sumrall, he was an apostle, right? He was an evangelist that, that stood out beyond any of, of his other gifts. But he had a church of 2,500 to 3,000 people. He had 12 TV stations. He had at least two shortwave radio stations. And while I was there, he started a, a, a worldwide feeding program because he knew the power of a church. The power of a great church in the realm of giving and receiving. And so I, I picked that up. And, and I'll tell you why I want to pastor a great big church. Because I want to change the world. And I understand the power of finances in helping change the world. In fact, I just went to Kansas City this week. And I was with Pastor Max Cornell. And I was in the morning meetings at a Bible school there. 
But while I was at Kansas City, Pastor Max said, hey, I came to your church and I saw what you were doing, giving 20, saving 20 to 50% and giving money away. And I believe that I could start a church and I could save 20 to 50% of the money and God would give me a building and I could give money away. He said, I observed it and I believed it would work for me. Hallelujah. And so he said, I was believing for that. And they came and we saw, it's pastor worked for me, Max worked for us at Karis Christian Center for three years. And then we sowed him into Kansas City. That was the plan. And we gave him a generous offering to help him get started. Hallelujah. And he got going. In fact, we went out there a few years ago. Barbara and I were ministering for him. And we got in a storm or something, so we couldn't come back. Max was trying to buy a building and looking at different things. And so since our plane was delayed, I got on the Internet and I found a building. They wanted $1.3 million. They bought it for $1.4 and then turned it into a church. And now they're trying to get $1.3 to get out of debt. Hallelujah. And so Barbara said, we need to buy that building between $900,000 and $1.1 million. Hallelujah. So we, we tried to buy it. They wouldn't sell it to us. Right? So three years later, right before the pandemic, the Lord told Max that thing's coming back up again. Go, go again. So he went and they were asking $1.1 So we bought it for $1,050,000. Hallelujah. And it was right before the pandemic. And Max called me because he hadn't closed. He said, do you think I should do this, Pastor Lawson? I said, yes, do it. He said, well, it's the pandemic, and I just don't know. I said, do it. And he never borrowed that much money. And I said, Max, it's just like three houses that you own. Just buy it. And he had like 300000 down, and so he had to borrow like three-quarters of a million dollars. And so he bought it. Hallelujah. And you know what? They have a, they have a crazy even though Kansas is a great conservative state, they have a crazy liberal governor in the state of Kansas. She shut down everything. And you know what? They wouldn't have had a place to have church if they didn't have their own building. But they had their own building. So during the pandemic, they could have church. But after the pandemic, he got a chance to get a 10-year loan and take my name because my name personally, he couldn't get the money locally, so we got the money here, and take my name personally off of it, his name personally off, and a four and a quarter percent locked in fixed rate for 10 years. So he did that. He got a great deal. And now it's locked in for 10 years, and he's going to pay it off before 10 years. Hallelujah. So it was a good deal. God blessed him. God helped him. But, but when he had to refinance it, he refinanced it, and guess what? It was now worth $1.75 million. So he said, I am so glad that I bought the church because if I wouldn't have bought the church, then I couldn't have afforded to buy the church now. See, it's so important for you to be connected to the right people that think right, that know what's happening, so you can hear God through them. And I'm not here just out on my own trying to do my own. I'm trying to listen to God and I try to hear God through everybody he puts around me. Amen. So that we can make a difference in the world. Amen. But see, we, we invest in other people. Praise God. We get to do. It's not that we have to do this. We get to do this. Hallelujah. And so he, he's talking about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And, and he says, listen. He, he says, listen, for your, he says, we thank God, right, for your liberal giving 
your liberal distribution to all to them and all men. And then he says, and by their prayer for you, I'm in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 14, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. In other words, this is the grace of God working in the realm of giving. And finally, he says this in verse 15, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. What is this? He's talking about Jesus. Thanks be to God for Jesus because nothing compares with the grace of God that God gave us in the person of Jesus and we don't even have words to explain how great the gift of the grace of God in Jesus is to us. Bless you. We love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.